Moving from frustration to victory by the power of the Spirit, next on Abounding Grace. It could very well be the big issue in your life is you're depending upon the flesh more than you're depending upon the Holy Spirit. It could be that you don't even know of the power of the Holy Spirit and what God has promised. That not only will he teach you all things, but he'll lead you. The Holy Spirit will empower you. The Holy Spirit will help you. This is amazing grace. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will return shortly to continue our series on the Holy Spirit. There are many Christians today who are frustrated and discouraged as they're really not experiencing life as God intended. Maybe you could be described as a fleshly person rather than a spiritual person. Today, we'll take you to Acts 1 and recall a time in Peter's life where he experienced a radical change. You'll see the power of the Spirit at work in his life. And the encouraging thing is, this can happen to you too. Here's Ed. Open your Bibles. We're going to start in Acts chapter 1. As we look at a Bible study entitled, The Power of the Holy Spirit in the Believer's Life. Because Jesus in John 14, at the end, is encouraging the disciples with the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit in our lives is of utmost importance. There is no way that you and I can live as believers apart from the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Even though there are many that try, it's an impossibility. It just simply cannot happen. You cannot be the man of God that you desire without the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be the woman of God that you desire to be without the power of the Holy Spirit. Your marriage will not change apart from the Holy Spirit. Your singleness and the power of contentment will not change apart from the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're not going to be be the the kind of employee you want to be. You're not going to be the business owner you want to be. You're simply not going to feel or sense the satisfaction of life apart from the Holy Spirit. It could very well be the big issue in your life is you're depending upon the flesh more than you're depending upon the Holy Spirit. It could be that you don't even know of the power of the Holy Spirit and what God has promised. That not only will he teach you all things, but he'll lead you. The Holy Spirit will empower you. The Holy Spirit will help you. And here in Acts chapter 1, you have a group of believers beginning in verse 4 that are waiting on the Lord. It says, being assembled together with them, he commanded, Jesus did, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It's a very powerful command to wait. It wasn't too many days earlier where Jesus told them to go. Remember? Go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He gives them the command to go, but now he also gives them the command to wait. And let me just say, it's not an easy thing to wait on the Lord. It can be very difficult at times. 
I'm sure some of you right now are waiting on God. And as you're waiting, you could even be like the disciples here. They don't, know, they don't even know exactly what they're waiting for. Wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. But they don't know how he's going to come. They don't know when he's going to come. They don't know the confirmation that he's come. But he's, Jesus told them, you need to wait. And maybe that's you today. You're waiting on the Lord. God has given you a command to wait. And you're becoming weary and tired. You're not even sure what you're waiting for anymore. Your feelings are betraying you. I would just encourage you, you wait on the Lord. The Bible says that those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And God is doing a work in you. Despite what you're feeling right now, despite what you're going through, God is doing a work. He's honoring his word just like these men and women that are waiting. They're waiting, but they don't know what they're waiting for. They're just being obedient. By the time Acts chapter 2 comes along, we see and they see what they were waiting for in verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. God fulfilled his promise. This was a day of change for the followers of Jesus Christ. Just like the power of the Holy Spirit is a day of change for you, this is a day of change for the Spirit, for the disciples through the Spirit. I mean, it's a day of change for the Spirit to change them by coming upon them. And I want you to notice, beginning in verse 6, of all the different responses that, was, that were taking place here. Notice in verse 6, there were people that were confused by this. They were confused by the work of the Spirit in the disciples' life. Just like many people around you, the work of the Spirit in your life confuses them. Now, God is not the author of that confusion. They're just trying to figure out what has happened to you, why you have changed. This event, the power of the Spirit, caught the attention of those that were watching on. The word confusion means here means literally to disturb the mind. It means they were thinking one thing, and now things are changed. Secondly, notice in verse 7 that there was amazement, both in verse 7 and also verse 12. There were people looking on at the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life, and they were amazed. This word literally means to be besides oneself, or to be thrown out of position, to be knocked down, if you will, to be moved. They were amazed. They couldn't understand it. Also in verse 12, notice that there was perplexity at the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. This literally means to be at a loss. They were perplexed. Still more, back in verse 7, notice, they were amazed and marveled. They were marveling. The idea of just being in shock. They weren't sure. They started to say, hey, what about these guys? These are Galileans. What's going on with them? People are speaking, everyone's speaking in our own language from where they were born and where they came from. And then in verse 13, you have the final response, and that is, there were mockers. And next to that word, if you like to write in your Bibles, you could write next to it, critics. There were critics of the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. As I'm sure you've met a few critics in your life, 
where God is just using you in an incredible way. You want to take a great step of faith, and there are always those there going, oh, I don't know if that's from the Lord. What are you thinking? Don't you know? What about the future? And all these other types of things. They're critical of the work of the Spirit of God in their lives. And then Peter, verse 14, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Pause there for a second. Peter stands up and he answers a question. He stands up in the midst of this with great boldness and great strength. And he answers a question that was on their minds. And I believe the question is found in verse uh, 12 at the end. Whatever could this mean? Now, they didn't ask Peter that directly. This is on the minds of everybody talking and mumbling and concerned. And there's a lot of, of chitter-chatter going beyond everybody. And they're just kind of, man, what's going on? And what's happening? They're full of wine. But somebody in the crowd asks, what could this mean? And in response to that question, Peter gets up and he answers the question. What is going on? Because that's often the the question that's asked when people observe Christians in general. Unfortunately, in these days, Christians are getting a bad rap because of the cultural pressures that are going on in our world today. But it's unfortunate. Because through your life, through our lives, there's much good going on through society. There's much good going through your life. A lot of love and giving and help and concern through the life of the church. Certainly we have our issues And we stumble and fall along the way, making mistakes. Sure, we all do. But the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit is a a force to be reckoned with in any culture, in any time. And there are always responses and always questions. And I love that. Maybe that's the question on your heart today. Whatever could this mean? What is going on in the world today? What what is the meaning of life? Why am I on the planet why, why do I appear? And you know, these are questions you ask in your own heart. You wrestle with them. We really can't see them, but you wrestle with them where you might even think, you know, outwardly everything seems to be going really well. It seems like my life has fallen into place. And, but why am I so messed up inside? Why, why am I so disturbed inside? Why am I always amazed at certain people or certain situations? Why, why is there confusion in my life? These are common questions that are asked by so many today. Why am I so lonely? I'm surrounded by so many people and many of them love me and care for me, but I'm lonely inside. I feel isolated and all by myself in a world filled with billions. I suggest to you that God is getting your attention, reminding you of his creative purpose in your life. I would expect someone to stand up in your life and answer the question, whatever could this mean, as Peter does here. You see, Peter's a different man here. Those of you that have studied through the life of Peter, those of you that have been with us in our studies in the Gospels, you realize that this is not normal for Peter. Now, of course, standing up is normal, but what he does afterwards in sharing the Gospel, this isn't normal. God is at work in his life. The Spirit of God has come down upon him, and he is a different man. Because the normal Peter, well, the normal Peter was very impetuous. When he would speak, he would often speak things that would that would not reflect the love of God. I mean, he he was sincere and genuine, but often sincerely and genuinely wrong. 
I mean, there's even recorded for us an episode where he says something in the presence of Jesus to where Jesus himself turns around and says, get behind me, devil, Satan. I mean, that must have blew his mind. He's like, I'm just Peter, man. I'm not the devil. But what he was saying was wrong. Normally, Peter would step out, but take things into his own hands. Normally, Peter would say something and it would be like sticking his foot in his mouth. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but you know, when you walk along studying the life of Peter, you're like, man, I, I can relate with a guy like Peter. Have you ever said something that life turns into slow motion? Whereas the words are leaving your mouth, everything turns into slow motion and you're like, your words are speaking, but in your mind you're going, I shouldn't say this, I shouldn't have said this, and you just wish you could get the words back. Peter was like that a lot. He would say something and everything would just stop in slow motion. You go, oh man, I shouldn't have said that. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on the face of Marie the message that said, I shouldn't have said that. I wish I could take it back. And to many others, we all stumble, the Bible says, with our mouths. This isn't normal Peter. Why? Because this is Peter walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a changed man. If you want to be a changed man, you need to yield to the Holy Spirit. You want to be a changed woman, you need to yield yourself to the power of God's Spirit in your life. He begins to quote the prophet Joel in verse 16. And you'll notice one thing that you don't see and don't hear in the text, which you're familiar with here. When we're about ready to share a Bible study, when we're about ready to dive into God's Word and answer the questions of life from the Word of God, you will hear me say, open up your Bibles and turn over to Joel chapter 2. But Peter doesn't say that here. This entire message related to an unexpected event. He had no idea that, that would, this would happen on that day, nor would he have any idea of what would happen once it did happen in an instant. He stands up in an instant. I mean, this is all happening rapid fire. And he says, this is, you guys want to know what's happening here? Joel said it would happen. How is that possible to stand up and give such a powerful message? I mean, let's go through it first in verse 17. He says, this is what is spoken of by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. On my men servants, my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in the last days, or in those days, and they shall prophesy. I'll show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, verse 22, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, him being delivered by the determined counsel and the foreknowledge of God. None of this was a surprise to God of what happened to Jesus Christ. You have taken by lawless hands and have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it wasn't possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Now he's quoting a whole different part of the scriptures in the Psalms and explaining exactly what's happening here. 
Therefore, uh, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore, verse 26, my heart rejoiced, my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, because you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David that he's both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would rise up the, raise up the Christ to sit on this throne, he, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, of which we are all witnesses, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not send into heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, this is all a message Jesus gets up and begins to share. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, notice, they were cut to the heart. The Holy Spirit is working on the outside, bringing conviction to those that are hearing this message. And Peter said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? This is a powerful time. The Holy Spirit is so much with Peter and so with the power of this Bible study, this message explaining the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that they themselves ask for the invitation. What are we supposed to do? You know, here, when we're teaching a Bible study, uh, I will often give it an invitation. I will invite you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I will invite you to confess your sins and to accept the full and finished work of Jesus Christ for you, that he lived and he died and he rose again. And I'll give you some sort of invitation. I'll ask you to pray. I'll ask you to raise your hand. I'll ask you to stand. I may even ask you to come up front here. But in this case with Peter, there's such a powerful move of the Spirit that in their own hearts they ask, what are we supposed to do? They're so cut to the heart. They speak out, what are we supposed to do? Well, here's what Peter says. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children, to are far off, as many as the Lord God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse. Another way of saying that is this twisted or this crooked generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized that day. About 3,000 souls were added that day. 3,000 people responded to the gospel with a Bible study that took us about four minutes to read. Four minutes time. This is the St. Peter, by the way, who not too much earlier than this denied the Lord with that same mouth. That same exact mouth that's being used of God right now was the same mouth that said, I don't know him. I don't know him. Even in front of a little girl, he denied Jesus Christ. What happened to him? The power of the Holy Spirit happened to him. He's a changed man. So much of the frustration in your life, so, much of the, so many of the issues that you have with other people, the tension, is because you're a fleshly person. You're not a spiritual person. You're fleshly. The Spirit of God, believers, has come into you, dwells in you. The power of God has come upon you. 
but you still choose to live as a fleshly person. Let me show you what I mean. Galatians chapter 5. Turn over with me. Galatians chapter 5. It's going to be a few pages over to the right. A couple things I want to show you today, encouraging you that you, like Peter, can be a changed man. You, like Peter, can be a changed woman. God will begin to work in your life as you allow him to. And this is what Paul would write to the churches in the Galatia region. He would give them great words of promise and strength. He would remind them that God is working on the inside of them. You know, the work of the Spirit is an inside job, not just outside. We attack all the outside things. We, we try to deal with all the habits, and we try to deal with all the language, and we try to be a good person, and we try to do the right thing. You might even find yourself saying, I'm trying to be a good Christian. But listen, the work of God is an inside job. It's not necessarily a bad thing that if you identify a habit in your life that needs to be left behind, leave it behind. That's a great, great decision to make. The Bible would even say to us as believers that we're to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us or ensnares us. That's not a bad thing. But don't just settle for trying. Don't stay in that place where, you know, pastor, I'm just trying. And that seems to be the condition of your life. I'm trying. That seems to be the way that you describe everything in your life. I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be a good wife. I'm trying to be a good content single. I'm trying to be good a business person. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying. I'm trying. Listen, God wants to take you from trying to doing. That's the, he, wants to, he wants to take you from always being in this place of frustration to the place of victory to the place of conquering, so that you realize that the Bible says that we are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who gave himself for us. That Jesus always leads us into victory. Now, for those of you that use that vocabulary, I'm trying. I want to be careful here and balance out my exhortation, my teaching to you today, that sometimes we use that phrase in a real and genuine way. And to that, I'm not discouraging. You may be here today and say, you know, Ed, when I say I'm trying, like I, it's not a cop-out for me. It's true. I'm, I'm really putting my best foot forward. I'm really making the decisions. And it's a genuine and a sincere statement for you. To that, I would encourage you that God will honor your trying. But you'll see in a moment that God is going to do more than honor your trying. God is going to bring you to the place of doing by the power of his Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to stand up like Peter in any situation with boldness and genuineness. And be able to describe your life as not just trying, but doing what God is doing in your life. You don't need to settle for this life that's always trying, always trying. Because, you know, many times that describes the person that's just wanting us to to express the frustration that's in their life. The fact that much of their life is really fleshly and they're unable to walk in victory above it. Today on Abounding Grace, we've listened into a portion of Pastor Ed Taylor's series on the Holy Spirit. Would you like a CD copy of this message? CD copies can be purchased for $2 by calling us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or download the audio files from calvaryaurora.org. We'd like to suggest adding a couple of apps to your phone or tablet. They're the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. This is a great way to study God's Word wherever you may be. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. 
We'd like to get a wonderful resource into your hands. They're bookmarks that will help you remember the components of each spiritual gift. And it's absolutely free and accessible through our website. Download and print out as many as you'd like so you can give some away and help others discover and use their gifts. That's waiting for you at calvaryaurora.org. We picked out a book that elaborates on many of the truths Pastor Ed is talking about in this present series on the Holy Spirit. It's Living Water, the Power of the Holy Spirit in Your Life. Written by the late Pastor Chuck Smith, you'll read how the Holy Spirit comes alongside you to help you in your walk, teach you, and give you an understanding of spiritual matters. He'll also give you much-needed power to be a witness of Jesus, too. We'll send living water your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. No matter the size, your gift will make an impact by God's amazing grace as it allows us to present the teaching of the Word so that many others may grow by the power of the Spirit. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. You can also write to Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado, 80046. We'd love to have you join us for a worship service at Calvary Chapel Aurora. There's a Saturday evening service at 6 and two Sunday morning services at 845 and 1045. You can also join us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Discover more about us at calvaryaurora.org. We'll get back into our series on the Holy Spirit tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora, Colorado.